Throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Hi, this is Gord Riddell and Jan Hill, and you are listening to Things Worth Considering. Um, before you uh, go away from that uh, dial and move elsewhere, we want you to uh, consider staying here with us today. Uh, we're looking at something near and dear to all of us. After last week looking at stress busters, we're going to look at something that for most of us probably is even more stressful, is very close and very personal, and that's about our bodies. Right, Jan? Yep, that's right. Tell me about your body. Well, I have one. All and right. So I like does that. everyone else. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And just like puppies, they're all different. Uh, so we wanted to look at the whole uh, uh, unfortunate uh, thing that goes on in our society, and that's about body shaming uh, that most of us have been somehow or other subjected to. And, uh, you know, ways that we can overcome that because it certainly interferes with our ability to sometimes socialize, sometimes hold jobs, sometimes even have friends. Um, right? Yeah, sometimes we might just isolate away because we feel uncomfortable or not try new things because we feel uncomfortable. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. We're just not not good looking enough. That's right. That's such crap. No one would ever say that about us, but <laughs> it happens. Exactly. Yeah. No one's ever going to admit to this. Uh, so tell me, where does this come from? What's this about? Well, what is body shaming, first of all, right? Like what yeah. actually is it? So it's really a social act or a practice of negatively judging someone right? Based on their physical appearance. So it's, I think of it as bullying. It can occur um, online or it can occur in person or it can occur through the media. So you can have it, you know, you can get it all sorts of different ways in your life. It can be direct or overt. Right. Right. So media is not going to be direct. uh, It might be direct. They're going to say through the camera, Gord, you're fat. Well, no, they're, but they're going to give you very strong messages that you need to be like the person on the camera exactly. or in the advertisement, or they're going to sell you a, a product that's supposed to help you get a better date or So you know, I'm going to interpret, I'm going to interpret then, they may as well have said, Gord, yeah. you smell. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Gord, you smell. Okay, there you go. Um, you know, or, or it might be like, uh, um, so it's direct or overt. So it would be just like when somebody just basically says, hey, you're too tall. Or, wow, are you ever tall? Or, wow, are you ever short? Or whatever. And um, Or something like, uh, is it hard for you to be so short in this world? <laughs> right? Like, wow, you know? Right. Yeah. And then, uh, or it can be indirect and subtle. And, and you're right. A lot of times media is indirect and subtle. Um, but also it can be overt and direct. But mm. um, um, it gives us a really specific idea of what is attractive and acceptable and desirable. And it makes us want to be like that. Uh, there's a huge, huge industry based on that. Yep, absolutely. Massive, yeah. Massive. You know, yeah. There's also, I think, a, a whole thing around, uh, you know, that entitlement that says, well, because I'm this or I'm that, you know, I mean, I mean, this isn't just really about body. That also brings yeah. in all kinds of things from racism to yep. gender to ageism. Yep. Um, uh, all the isms, somehow or other, are probably going to get touched in this. Yeah, because it's really the categorical construction of the physical body, right? What does that physical body, what does your physical body actually mean to you? What's the cultural meaning that is that is uh, imbued 
in that in that cultural in that body, right? That becomes yep. a cultural representation of things like morality and of sexuality yeah. and gender identification, yeah. all sorts of things, right? Yep. So, so I mean, you know, it's interesting, right? When we think of body shaming, we could just think of, oh, I feel bad about myself. Um, oh, I'm not going to put on the party dress or, oh, I'm not going to go play golf or I'm not going to do those things. Or, or, oh my God, look at all those haagen ice cream containers right, that right. are accumulating in my bedroom. Yeah, that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's my passion. But, um, you know, we could just take it simply as that. But really, this is like a sociological concept, right? And it's centuries. We're going to learn about how it's actually centuries old, yep. right? The roots of what we experience today is it's like it's the legacy of what's come before. Right. Yeah. The the fact that it's so old, you know, I think a lot of people think that this is really, you know, common, but there's always been a runt in every litter. Yeah. You and, know, you know, and to that point, too, a lot of times we think it's just our problem. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. But that's what shame does, though. Yeah, of course. It individuates. You know? Right. Well, it, it is. I mean, you know, I mean, let's just, you know, let's identify shame. And, and that is in terms of, you know, shame is who I am. I can feel guilty. And it feels a little bit similar, but you know what? Guilt tells me I did something wrong. Right. Shame tells me I am wrong. Yeah, that's an important distinction. I can go back and say I did something wrong to you and apologize. Right. But I can't apologize for who I am. Right. Well, I can't try, but you're going to get out. And you know what? The presumption, too, of the permanence of physicality. Yes. I mean, yes, there are certain things we can change, but basically you're as tall as you are, you're as short as you are, you know, your skin is going to be the color it is, your hair is going to be the color it is, whatever, right? Your face is going to look the way it 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 does. Um, well, so there's this... On, some intervention. Yeah, you can do a little bit, but basically, you know... It's the same. Yeah, yeah like you can nuance it, right? But basically, well, I guess if you're rich, you can do a bit more than nuance, but <laughs> it's like, you know, the idea is that it's pretty permanent. Who you are is who you are, and... You know, yeah. you can work on it, but it's not going to change. It's not going to change anything. You know, uh, you know, being in being in psychotherapy over the years, I've had so many people come and mm. and tell me that they're going for for plastic surgery, and extensive. I've met people. You know, I've met someone that once inherited some money from parents who had had the calf muscles, the rear end, mm-hmm. the the uh, uh, biceps, uh, the cheeks. Uh, uh, what else was there? Like I think face, hair plugs. Face cheeks. For, yeah, face, okay, face cheeks clear. and cheek cheeks. Oh, and cheek cheeks. And his chukas, yes. Uh, huh. uh, and hair plugs. It's a lot of and cheeks. I was like, <laughs> he was a kind of a cheeky guy. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't believe it. Four that cheeks person. to the wind. I figured this guy fell. He was just going to bounce right back up again. Oh, there there's so go. much silicone in him. Or explode. Well, one of the two. I mean, I couldn't believe that someone would do that. And, you know, to, to you know, have such a dislike. You yeah. Know, or believe that that's going to change everything is... They actually, you know, the, the doctors that were do, doing the surgery should actually say you should really go and do some counseling on this first. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, you know, they just to, to think that if you get your nose done or your hair, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, uh, or you, you lose weight, if nothing changes on the inside in our belief system, nothing changes. Right. So, you know what? I have a counterpoint to that. Okay. But I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. Oh, no. I'm going to save should it till later. Yeah, you should sweat okay. on this one. All right, cool. Yeah, because I'm going to save okay it till when we. Uh, I don't, we're sitting pretty close. But um, so I'm going to save it till later because okay. um, I want to surprise you with it. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about beauty premiums. Oh my gosh. So, yes. So, it's something that we kind of already intuitively know, yes. right? 
that in our Western culture, looks count and a particular kind of look counts. And this is um, kind of an interesting thing because in the 80s and 90s, they were doing lots of research on this kind of thing. And what they basically discovered was that attractive people get paid more. And they call this the beauty premium. They show a marked increase in pay and opportunities for um, advancement with, within their jobs, um, their careers. And this research, though, mostly looked at subjects under the age of 29. So at a particular time in their careers where, you know, you're just starting off. So they thought by looking at it, things at this particular time period, they would be able to sort of to see what the maximal effect of one's look was on the career effect, right? Right, right. So, um, so everybody thought, oh yeah, you know, there's the beauty premium, and if you're attractive, good things will come. And what they discovered, as they did a little, they dug a little deeper into that in the 2000s, was that um, it was not just looks that influenced salary and career success, but there were other factors that were really important too. For example, intelligence, conscientiousness, um, but you can't be so conscientious that you're neurotic. Mm, uh, like just, OCD. It totally. No, not good. Uh, overall good health <laughs> or perfectionism, right? Yep. Total all over good health and having a good sense of humor. So a sense of collegiality. Um, so it actually seemed then that there's an, a, an ex, well, I guess you call it like an acceptance bias for attractive people who have these qualities. And the idea there is that if you, um, that attractive people have greater social acceptance, so they're more likely to develop these qualities. Okay. That was the that was the theory. I'm not making this up, right? I'm not saying that this is true. I'm just saying that this was how they explained it. Yes. And then in the in the, about a decade and a half ago, they discovered something that they call the ugly premium. And the it, ugly premium. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of blew everything out of the water. Okay. So what they discovered was that, again, they were looking at uh, people under the age of 29. And what they discovered was that if you are considerably like – particularly unattractive, then you will actually likely make more money than somebody who's attractive. That's what's happened. Yeah, there you go, For right? both of us. And the reason <laughs> is because the assumption is that, um, and this is all based on stereotypes, right? But that un unattractive people are less open to social experience Okay. Okay. Which is okay. They, they, they haven't looked at the social research on this, right? But um, that I know of. But um, what that means is when they're more closed off to additional experiences, then they're more likely to have spent more time training for their job than someone who's attractive. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So the idea is that if you once that person learns how to fly on their looks, they're going to keep flying on their looks as, long, that's as long as possible. kind of the idea. Or, yeah. or that they have a, like a, the attractive person has a breadth of qualities that people find attractive. Right. And so the assumption is that the, with somebody like the ugly premium suggests that there are people who uh, don't have this breadth and that's okay because in a particular career, they need people who can focus and won't be distracted by um, absolutely social effects. Right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I had someone who worked for me who, who she uh, used, she used to work in uh, uh, like breaking news. Okay. And so while they're on the air and there's all this movement all around her, she she's actually there putting putting the stories together and the, all the feeds coming in and everything. When she started working with me, I, I could move around the office and this, you know, yeah. woman never looked up. I mean, she was one of the most focused individuals I've ever encountered. Yeah. And it's because she had just learned this, you know, to have that focus. Me, I'd be like, what's going on over there? Hey, hey did I see that now? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have that. You're very social. 
I'm very social most You're of the time. You're very social, yeah. exactly. Except for the weekends. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I that's swear. what I've heard. Okay, um, so there's parts too around this about that suggests that there's gender bias, right? Oh, uh, so there certainly seems to be a gender bias where women are rewarded up to a certain point for being attractive. Yes. Uh, and then they, they kind of hit that glass ceiling and their attractiveness can actually become a liability. Okay. Right? Perhaps uh, they are even perceived as being a distraction in the workplace. And you can see that there's a lot of attention paid in like HR departments, for example. We'll spend a lot of time talking about uh, the appropriateness of what women wear and attractive women should then downplay at a certain point their physicality. Listen, that's used in rape trials. Oh, of course. It's horrible. Yes, of course. You know, yeah. I mean, I'd much rather have someone dressed attractively, both male and female. Yeah. There you go. But, yeah. you know, and, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, we could do a whole show on that. No, Because absolutely. there's there's different legislation, say, in the States in the U.S., or in the States, sorry, in the States in Canada around that kind of stuff, but yeah. what is admissible and what's not. But uh, anyway, yeah. But so, it's still there. It's still it's underlying. Still there. Whether it's admissible or not, it's still underlying a bias that people are carrying with them. Absolutely, right? Yeah. Um, and there's a difference between the attractiveness well, the, the how you judge the actual physical body versus how you judge what the body is wearing or behaving. Right. Right? Right. So the body itself is just, we just think of it as like a big pounds of, I don't know, biomass or whatever you want to call it, right? <laughs> a walking advertising. Yeah, and what it actually just looks like. Right. But, um, and then there's also, in terms of gender bias, there's also that idea that you can't be pretty and attractive for women. And this goes way back to ideas. You can't be pretty and attractive? Sorry, you can't be pretty and smart. Oh, well, yeah, Right? You can't that. be intelligent and pretty at the same <laughs> time, right? And this goes right back to um, ideas that were really from the 1600s around women's capacity to rationalize. Um, seriously? Yep, seriously. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I mean, again, we can do a whole show with that. For men, <laughs> attractiveness is often linked to patriarchal views of masculinity, right? So, and what right. we've seen in the last uh, 50 years, especially, is there's been this this switch over to this kind of concept of hypermasculinity with men, right? So, masculinity is associated or, or, or with, the opposite. There's more of a fluidity. Uh, kids, let's say let's say the millennial kids are much more fluid in their gender identification than than older older men are. Yes, for sure. That. Again, if you go to the stuff under the age of 30, I think. But if you look at actual media representations, you kind of see two two groups, right? You see, like, what you've seen over the last 40 years is a falling away of sort of the family man image. Yes. And you've seen a burgeoning of the metrosexual, right? So that's the fluidity that we're talking about with, say, millennials and others, right? Yes. And then there's this hyper-masculinity. So yes. it's not just, you can't just be, like, somebody fit. You have to be, like... The Terminator fit, right? Like, <laughs> blah, yeah, like right? where they can't quite get their arms to go around to their back. Exactly, because right. Because everything is so developed in the deltoids. Yes. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, that hypermasculinity. You know, uh, I mean, other men really feel that too, because mm -hmm. that sets up a hole within men's. You know, within. So there's all this bias within just men alone. Forget whether women are there. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of. You know, am I measuring up? What do I have to do? So I start getting a potty mouth, I talk like this, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like all of this kind of stuff that you know, tries to, you know, create this image that somehow or other we are equally as moving into, you know, this hyper-masculinized hyper, uh, state. Yeah, for sure. And again, I think that's really an important thing to acknowledge, right, is that we talk about this as if it's like in a heteronormative framework, right? But oh, it's yeah. women judging women, men judging men, men judging women, women judging men. 
Yes. Like online dating, you don't like the pick, you just move, swipe. Just right? swipe, exactly. You don't even need to acknowledge it. You just exactly. have to swipe and move on. And move on, right? And you know what? I think we need to move on. Should we swipe? No, I think we should swipe. But, uh, we want to come back, though. Okay. Yeah. We're going to uh, take a break here uh, and go to uh, a couple of commercials. And uh, this is uh, Jan Hill and Gordardell, and we will be right back talking about our bodies. Ourselves. By ourselves. <laughs> With each other. <laughs> right back. <laughs> We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, Back to things worth considering. Hi, and we're back. Uh, this is Gord and Jan, and we're uh, talking about our bodies. So, how do we uh, experience body shaming? Mm. Well, a lot of different ways. Okay. Um. Well, I guess the most obvious thing, right, is that we just experience ourselves as being like aesthetically unpleasing. But we, we weren't we weren't born this way. Well, it's a cultural thing. Right. Okay. So somebody told us somewhere along the line. Sure. That we were not okay. Sure. Okay. Right? I, I get that. Yeah, I get for that. sure. But it, that doesn't really matter so much uh, how it started in that sense. It just matters that well, we feel that way. I think it does. I think it does because if it's a parental thing, um, you know, certainly it's a it's a peer thing when we're growing up. But I think it's a, you know if you're parenting children, then I think we should we should know that that you know making any sort of comparisons around bodies is a very shady experience. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like, oh, well, you know, you're not as, as tall as, as he is or you're not as short as, you know, whatever. You're, you're, you're darker complexioned than your fair Nor- Nordic looking son. Yeah, but when you're walking down the street feeling bad about yourself because you're wearing no sleeves or you're tripping in your running shoes to make your feet look bigger, whatever your thing is, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter so much in that moment that, oh, in that moment, all these things are learned, right? Because yeah. that's the thing. We're talking about how you actually experience body shaming. So how you experience it in that moment is as a sense of not feeling good enough. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Um, right across the board. Yeah. yeah. Or you're not healthy enough, whatever, right? You don't. What the, the one thing that I find interesting about body shaming is that you often feel like the body that you are inhabiting, your actual body in that moment, doesn't really represent who you are. Interesting, yes. Right? Yep. So, and yep. we're going to get back to that when I spring oh, on you the big thing. <laughs> um, and also, sometimes body shaming, often body shaming is actually conflated with fat shaming in our culture, right? Yes. Um, yes. But body well, shaming is a lot more than fat shaming. Okay. Well, it is. It is absolutely because it yeah. can be about your it's hair, bigger. your your skin color, your eye color, your you know, you're figuring it out right down everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know when we talk about you know the fat shaming thing. See, I had the opposite, mm-hmm. and that was developing a discomfort about how skinny I was. Mm-hmm. So I, I was often you know it was like I was so underweight, and it's not that I didn't eat or anything. It was just metabolism. Uh, you know, in a windstorm, I could be moved into the next county. There you just, go. Just like that, you know. Uh, did you have a good grip? Uh, I did have a good grip. Good I've for lost you. the grip lately. <laughs> um, but no, as as uh, you know, I hit thirty. As we all discover that your metabolism slows down, and, yeah. and so on. But I also went into a, a program in in university that you know sort of helped me to to you know pack on some some muscle and stuff. Um, uh, and of course they gave me a medication to do that, which actually caused a heart problem. Wow. Yeah. Which was like, really, you did this to me? Anyways, yeah, yeah. there was a side effect that they didn't know was happening. So that's really interesting, right? Because it's like, uh, it just goes to show how significantly, like how important it actually is, how significant it is yes. in a culture that we feel that we fit in or that we feel that we measure up. Absolutely. In whatever the, way. The, well, the university was taking part in it. Yeah, and being a thin man, right, fits right back into this idea of the, the, of the hyper-masculinity, right? Yep, yep, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm really glad that I had that that uh, type of body because now of that I'm 31, you know, I, uh, he laughs hysterically, uh, <laughs> is that I've been able to stay quite slim. You know, yeah. w- without having to do a whole lot of work, so I don't have cholesterol problems or any of those yeah. kinds of things. So, but there was a double message, though. Sure. That if, you know, because skinny people can eat a lot of food, too, you know. Uh, I hate the word skinny, by the way. I was felt. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I was felt. I was felt. Uh, is that if I went for seconds, it was, what do you want to do? Be like your uncle? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here I am being too skinny, but yet at the same time, I had a, a part of my, my dad's family. His brother was very, very heavy, and his whole family was very right. overweight, very, very overweight. And, uh, you know, so that was the comparison. So it was kind of like if I ate, you know, only this much, I would be okay but still be skinny. Right. But if I ate this much, I risked being like my uncle. Right. I think something's really interesting about that, right? Because it's like if you're in a slimmer body, well, you might not have been the best football player, Gord, but you might good have been an excellent – run. like you might have been a good runner, right? That's right. Running back. Yeah. So, you know, um, so this is the other thing. Body is all about context. Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Exactly. So it was my parents' context of their – their brother or brother-in-law, 
being so overweight and being on the, you know, mm. with, in the fire department. And yet at the same time, you know, all of this was you know, spread around on my brothers and I. Yeah. Which yeah. is really interesting. And we're, and we're also within way within normal weight limits. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Interesting, right? And so body shaming uh, manifests as a number in a number of different ways. And it's so insidious, we don't even realize we're doing it sometimes, right? So mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we criticize, we might criticize our own uh, um, appearance. So we judge or we create a comparison with somebody else. Like, right. I'm so ugly compared to her. Look at how big my shoulders are or something like that, right? But we do the opposite, though. Mm -hmm. We say that about other people. We do indeed. Thank and that, God you don't look like her. Criticizing another person's <laughs> appearance, sometimes with their knowledge, right? So we talk yes. about them behind their back. Right? Yes. Yeah. And sometimes we do that in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, that's that's that whole, you know, that peer thing. Well, I mean, I, I've, I've seen grown-up women do it, but, you know, uh, in school, you know, the, the things that are said, sure. girls say to each other. Yeah. It's horrific. Yeah, it's like something like, seriously, you think you're going to get a date looking like that, with hair like that? So there's this bullying, right? Yeah, yeah. And it really is bullying. Yeah. It really is. Uh, you know, and, and that, that bully, bullying can, you know, become incredibly severe. This, you know, social media has really played a, a role in this. Pe people are being bullied by people they don't even know. Yeah, for or sure. Or they can, they can spread through an entire class, mm -hmm. an entire class. Mm -hmm. Children have died as a result. Of yes, this. of course, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I just find it so horrific. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you know I, I mean, I, you know, I, I survived whatever bullying my parents did to me. But, yeah. You know, I never viewed it as that. Know, kind of thing but I wasn't bullied in any other way mm -hmm. you know kind of thing so you know maybe I just learned to get in and out real fast mm -hmm. you know but I, I just feel so horrible when I hear you know that you know some girl was, was body shamed so badly that you know she felt that there was no other way but to leave the planet yeah to exactly. kill herself yeah let's call yeah. what it is yeah yeah. And there's, you know, there's other consequences too, right, of body shaming that are pretty harsh, eating disorders, and there's a whole, we could do weeks and weeks of discussions on eating disorders, right, and oh, all totally. their various permutations and uh, how they manifest completely different ways, but, you know, whether that's that's comfort eating or whether it's a whole variety of um, restrictive and denial focused right, right, eating, right. Um, disordered eating patterns, right? There's right. social withdrawal. And loss of openness, and that fits right into that whole theory about the ugly premium and the beauty premium. This idea yeah. that we withdraw if we don't feel accepted. Yeah, absolutely, right. absolutely. Uh, but you know, when you, when you say it about eating disorders, it can also you know lead to the opposite of that, and that is you know with with alcohol and drug abuse. Sure. Substance abuse is huge out there. Yeah. It used to be you know it used to be pretty pretty easily to be generalized that you know girls were this eating disorders, mm -hmm. and boys were this, and that was substance abuse, mm -hmm. uh, you know, substance use disorders. Mm -hmm. However, there's just, you know, again, the fluidity of everything now is it's just as easy to see a woman or a girl abusing substances as it is to see a guy of course. Uh, having a, a, an eating disorder. Right. You know, men are as targeted, you know, I find even more, more so lately, like there seems to be an increase in targeting men and what that masculine appearance is supposed to look like. Yeah. You know, yep. and how much money we're supposed to spend on our suits and our ties and mm -hmm. you know. and what's interesting is women have much more much more uh, 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 you know variability in what you can wear you know we're still wearing the same thing from the last 300 years <laughs> and I think that one suit of mine is about 250 years old yeah but I, I think <laughs> a lot of women just wear their um, their yoga pants They're, yeah right. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah. Like yoga, yoga pants for every occasion I got. Just about. Yeah, I whether do. they're in church or whether they're traveling in you the betcha. air. Yep, you betcha. You betcha. There they are, right in Paris, in their yoga pants. You got There's it. It's not so, even for a yoga conference. No, exactly, because yoga pants are great. Um, <laughs> so you can overcompensate, or you can have attention-seeking behaviors, right? Yes. Uh, you can self-sabotage. Big right? time. Anger yeah. issues. So, um, you know, you can be triggered by all sorts of things in relationships with people um, that are actually about your own body shaming um, processes. Yep. Yep. One, one, one of the things, you know, mm-hmm. that, that I certainly know from a number of people talking about is with, through social media, people who have, and again, you know, this ties into everything, you yeah. know, whether it's age or appearance, body, uh, is that on, in social media with, with, you know, like hookup sites or whatever, people are posting other people's photographs. <laughs> people are lying about how old mm-hmm. they are or lying about what their stats are like. You know, someone who's like 5'5 five, five and saying I'm 6'1", hmm. you know, uh, and, uh, and or their weight is, you know, those kinds of things. But or they'll post photographs of themselves from like 30 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, there's this incredible deception that goes on. And I'm like, why do you do this? I mean, mm. so they go to meet somebody and it's like they can't even figure out who they are based on this description and the photograph that was given to them right. by this person because they don't look anything like it. I think a lot of times what happens, though, is that people really do believe they still look like that. Right. Like, here's the thing. And OK, so now I'm going to surprise the cosmetic surgery thing on you right now because I can't sure. take it anymore, which is the whole idea that. Right. Like from the outside, what it looks like to people yes. who get for people who have cosmetic surgery is that they're trying to live up to some externalized standard. And so they don't feel good about themselves, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And there's a whole other component. If you actually interview people, as there's been a lot of research that does this, on why people actually, like the, the, the sort of the intimate motivations for getting plastic surgery, often it's because people want to look like themselves. So especially as you age, you know, yes. you, you get to a certain place of confidence and then you just, you, you feel yeah. as if you are finally in the place where you're like that really dynamic 35-year-old but your body, in fact, is 55. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like you look in the mirror and it who you see in the mirror does not reflect who you believe you are, who you feel you are. So it's not about going, oh, my nose is ugly. I'm going to get my nose fixed to make everybody else accept me. It's like, oh, my God. Where did you learn that I voice? Don't, I, yeah, I <laughs> don't. That's my usual voice. Um, it's not, you know. Like when you look in the mirror and you go, who I see in the mirror does not reflect who I feel I am. And, you know, in uh, research um, around um, uh, like with gender fluidity and stuff, right? This is what people say over and over and over who who, uh, go for sex change operations and whatnot, right? It's like and alterations of the body uh, around gender based um, dynamics is they say that who I see myself in the mirror as is not who I really am. And so that becomes totally acceptable when we're thinking of um, the intersectionality of gender. Okay. But when we when we put it when we have cosmetic surgery mm-hmm. in the context of say an aging woman yep. or an aging guy or a young person who wants bigger breasts or something like that, we say, "Oh, isn't that vain?" Right. You know, but it's really th- there's a very similar psychological process. Why am I surprised? I know. So that was my big. That was <laughs> <your> big <one. laughs> Take that, Gord. 
I'm still continuing whatever I said. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, there's just an extreme around cosmetic surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, we only have to look at celebrities, mm-hmm. you know, that some of them have had so many of them. Of course, it's very addictive, mm-hmm. you know, to try and recapture that that thing. And that's why, that's why I'm saying, you know, from a, a you know a therapy perspective is, is that, you know, we just need to arrive at a place that says, this is what I look like. Now, I know some studies, you know, have, have shown that there's a there's a certain point, and you sort of identified that, when mm-hmm. we are that dynamic that looks, we like our looks, we like who we are, we like what we're doing, uh, and we lock onto that. Yeah. It could be 26, it could be 31, it could be younger, uh, it could be older, but we hold onto that, and that, that becomes who we are. But that, unfortunately, is so static. Mm-hmm. There's no place that says... So what would this look like now with gray hair? Right, exactly, <laughs> you right? Know, or when, you know, the left arm is just sagging a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, those kinds of things, yeah. 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 But I think that, I still think that cosmetic surgery needs a little bit more inner soul searching. Yeah. Of well, acceptance, just, just accepting where we're at. Yeah. Then we can actually probably go through change much easier. Yeah, and I think part of the whole cosmetic surgery issue is Related to this idea that we think of the body actually as being very static, right? Yes. So we get the static feeling around the body, this that that um, and that we shouldn't mess with nature. Somehow, what is natural is somehow purer than what is technologically designed, right? And a little bit, yes, I agree. Yeah, or something that's contrived, right? Yes, we have that whole concept of natural beauty versus a contrived beauty, right? And um, it's because the contrived beauty is attached to manipulation. Usually it's women's contrived beauty that is attached to manipulating male desire for power, right? Ultimate power, which is an old sort of mythos, right? But still very prevalent. You know, women are much more likely to go out with a whole array of people, uh, you know, right across the board, or men. Men don't look at a whole array of women. They go for a type, young, vibrant, you know, chesty, uh, you know, all kinds of, yeah. you know, things I can put in there. And that's, and, you know, that's the ones, especially the ones with money or power, uh, just, you know, almost prey on that stereotype of a woman. So it's interesting. There's lots of research on that, that actually, we, we need to do a whole show on that. Oh my God. We because there's lots of re- research that suggests, in fact, that only men and women actually do it as well. They look for somebody who's more aesthetically pleasing and fits those kinds of those categorical those categorical qualities that yes. you just described. Yes. Um, when they're looking for um, when they're when they're looking for a lot of fun and stuff like that, and they're not looking for a serious relationship, whatever that means. But when they're actually looking for somebody to have a family with and settle down with, they look they have completely different criteria. Women Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yep. So women and men too. But I think that one of the interesting ideas here that I think is really important to think about is this idea that the body's actually a tapestry, right? It is. So we, you know what? We're going to weave that tapestry. Okay. Let's do it. We're going to be right back. Uh, This is Jan Gord here at Things Worth Considering. And we'll be right back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. 
Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. So, Jan. Yes, my darling. Here we are on our wonderful show. Mm-hmm. And you're going to weave a tapestry. <laughs> Isn't that well, where we left off? We did. We tapestry did. weaving. Okay, tell me about that. Yeah, so um, basically the idea is that, like, we, so we think of the idea, the body as being something that you really shouldn't mess with because it's, you know, if you mess with it, it's contrived somehow, right? But the body is, we can think of the body as a tapestry for expression. So we we dress ourselves in a particular way to bring a, a message to people, right, Absolutely. to suggest who we are. And um, and we, we also do that with the body. So it can be as simple as cutting your hair in a certain way or, I don't know, just basic things like that. Tattoos, piercing, any kind of body adornment, any kind of uh, body modification. And there's an, a movement in the art world, actually, that is quite fascinating because their whole idea is that the body itself, and I'm thinking of an artist named Roland, particularly the body itself is a tapestry that is designed to be that the self interacts with the body, treating the body as if it needs to be modified or can be modified at any given moment to reflect conditions of the self. So it's kind of like raw material. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to put those little horns in your forehead, you go for it. If you want to put like, that's a, (laughs) I thought they were natural, you know? And if you want to put little fins or gills on your head or make a little mouse nose or whatever, like, or, you know, do anything like that. Right. right? Or have parts of your body removed and, um, um, tech like bionic parts put on Okay. that, that the body is a process of becoming, it's a work of art. Right. That's always All in the process of becoming. Yeah, yeah, becoming. Well, you know, uh, in, uh, I know in, in Judaism, uh, having having a uh, tattoo is not okay. Mm. Because your body has to be left, like, completely. 
clean know, slate. Clean slate. Totally clean slate. Yeah, the yes. natural expression of yeah. Yeah. your godly representation yeah. here on they earth. Do, they don't, uh, they don't, do not, uh, the Judaic religion does not allow that. Mm, very interesting. The Christian does. But at the same time, though, you know, it's kind of like everything's supposed to be buried with you and, and you're also supposed to be buried. I mean, I think that's changing a lot since we discovered we're running out of land. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I've just been teaching this uh, this program on death and dying. And it's it's really interesting because as part of that tradition is, is that, you know, uh, each of these traditions have certain things as to how the body is supposed to arrive at death. Right. And what it's supposed to be like and how it has to be maintained in order for whatever the theology behind that is. Right. Uh, in terms of the second coming, the first coming, the, oh, no, he's coming back again. Um, you know, mm. all those kinds of things. So, uh, yeah, just uh, it's just been a very interesting course because I've had this wonderfully multicultural group of uh, people I've been working with. And, and uh, they're wonderful because they're training to work with people who are in uh, palliative care. That's really At the cool. end of life, end yeah. of life decisions and so on. Yeah, so, th- like, that's really cool because the what, it, what you're basically suggesting, right, which I think is totally true, is that a lot of these ideas about how we treat the body and what the body represents... Mm-hmm. Are centuries old and they're rooted in religious thought. Absolutely, right. Absolutely. And so you that know, our bodies are the, our our sin. It, it, you know drives our our lust, our our lewdness, our mm-hmm. <laughs> you know our sex, just our sex drive. Yep, is wrong and it's bad. Yeah, and so the mind, it's the job of the mind in the body to control the body, to control the behavior of the body. Right. right. So you want to keep the body natural, looking so that people can, you know, understand who you are. Right. You're not confusing the signals you're not pretending you're something that you're not because the body is actually a reflection of your godly spirit absolutely right? and your behavior absolutely. is a reflection yeah of yourself as and well. if we're if we're adorned improperly no for who we really are it gets very confusing for people. yeah you know you know what i'm thinking of when you when you say say it, is is the a very simple test is that when you you write out you know I'm sending you a red, but the, instead of putting red in red, red is now in yellow, and you have these sentences to read in each oh, color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the word yeah. of the color, but then the color itself, the, the word, is different. Yeah. And try to read that, and what you're supposed to do is read the word yeah. and how we end up reading the color. And I think that is just kind of an interesting, just you know, observationally, just you know, I don't have a study to pull out on this. Uh, I do. <laughs> uh, we'll have another show on that because it's about language being symbolic rather than phonetic. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So for us simple people, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, who don't know anything that you just said, uh, <laughs> is, is really, is just really that whole thing of, of, uh, you know, if red isn't red and I have to read it as red, I'm going to get really confused. Yeah. Right. It's confusing. I do. It's because the representations are confusing, I'm right? Confused like that's talking the idea. About it. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm confused. Are you confused? Hearing you talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk about fat shaming. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. So that's a very specific kind of body shaming. It is. Right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And yet everybody does it. Yep. You know, uh, you know, not that we become fat. It's just that we store fat. We, you know, our metabolism slows down. Our ability to stuff our face doesn't. Uh, as we age, we don't need as many calories. If we our lifestyle changes and slows down, we don't need as many calories, and it's right. really just a caloric thing. What goes in goes either to the hips or, you know, somewhere else. Or it's burned off as fuel. Yeah, you know, kind of thing. Um, and there's not that understanding that mm. you know when you when you see somebody who 
you know, is is so skinny and they're like 55, you just think, oh, my God, you know, like it doesn't feel almost natural. You know? And there's also an immune system function yeah. here, too. You know, our immune system needs fat in order to be able to fight uh, right. Ill- illness. So if we don't have any body fat and we get seriously ill, we don't have the, the same frontline defense in the same way. Hmm. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. The, um, um, yeah, so I'm thinking of fat in the context of how fatness as a state of being is actually linked to, say, the seven deadly sins. So this goes back to this idea of our bodies representing something about our morality. So if you think about those seven deadly sins, right, that uh, are part of uh, the Christian um, concept of of life, you've got fatness is connected to sloth, avarice, gluttony, greed, maybe pride, right? Whereas in other cultures... I hear a long weekend coming on. There we go. (laughs) Maybe in other cultures, it might, the fatness, especially the fatness of the female body, might actually be connected to fertility. It might be connected to abundance and wealth. Yes. Right? And health. But in our youth-oriented culture, it's connected to to basically... uh, lack of health, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. or aging. We I mean, if you look at, you know, I mean, art beautifully captures this with the Rubenesque woman. Yeah. You know, who was like, you know, voluptuous and was, was you know, sort of spilling over the top of her gowns and, yeah. and you know, clearly probably affluent to a certain degree and so on. And that was, that was the body state. It still is for some people. You but know. you can see, right, in times of famine, people yeah, who are heavier... She's going to be yeah. just fine. But also, too, how, how do you have heavier people in times of famine, right? They are the rich people. Yes, exactly. Right? Because exactly. they're the ones who get to still eat. You yes. Know? So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just this idea that we associate types of corporeality, body types, with certain kinds of moralities, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So the shaming of the chubbier person going back to the chocolate fondue, another time or even once I miss our table even eating pizza or something like that right it's like where's the fun do yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly well, <laughs> it's not close enough unfortunately yeah, exactly um so how do we overcome our our own body shaming of self well you know for me the first thing i would do is like you know we have to stop listening to other people yep we just you know it just has to be a cutoff that just says that is absolutely unacceptable you know, and just call people on it. Mm-hmm. That's that, and that's very scary because mm-hmm. then we risk being in conflict, which is another whole piece of this. Uh, because who are we to tell, you know, people? You know, if we have no self-esteem, we have no esteem to to to, to protect the self either. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a catch twenty-two. But having boundaries, forget about the self-esteem. Just having boundaries. It said, would you do this to people? No, yeah. you don't. Well, then why would you allow that to be done to you? Yeah, and also it's, I think it's challenging because we've internalized all these messages about who we are, right? And so it can Mm. be, like, it's easier sometimes to stick up for somebody else than it is to stick up for yourself, right? Oh, absolutely. Because, precisely because you might have internalized this idea that, you know, that you shouldn't shouldn't be eating this or you shouldn't be eating that, right? Yeah, that's why people have all these security people around here. What did you just say to her? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> exactly right yeah. i think too it's important to focus on say uh nutrition rather than actually dieting dieting suggests okay. that we're going for some sort of, sort of ideal first three letters says it all doesn't it die oh yeah i never noticed that are you serious never did it's die it's because it's a symbol to me not phonetic 
Oh, yeah. Okay. There we go. <laughs> See, it's all cosmetology. Yeah. Cosmetic surgery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to say cosmetology <laughs> yeah. or, or cosmology. It could be both. It is. It's like astronomy, astrology. Yeah. Either one, but this was the stars. Yeah, I look, therefore I am. Exactly. Yeah, so... Um, I think dieting is just a horrible thing. I've yeah. seen so many people hurt themselves so badly when their bodies, uh, uh, you know, go into a starvation mode. Yeah, for sure. And then all of a sudden, everything they eat, the body's like... Hold on to it. Hold on to it because there's another famine coming. Yep. Or or whatever it is, and it's just it's horrible what our body. I mean, it's amazing that our bodies do that to protect us. Yeah. You know, but you know, our bodies our bodies will do, and I really learned this through addictions. It's amazing what our bodies will do to keep us alive. Yeah, I know. It I, goes through so much. Yeah. To keep us on the planet, keep us alive. There's a billion cells this moment in each one of our bodies that are. Just communicating, they're doing what it, I mean, that truly is a mysterious miracle. And yet we have a part in our brain that's wanting to kill ourselves. <laughs> Take another it's drink. True, eh? Really, inject yeah. that drug, eat yeah. more food, mm-hmm. then go throw it up. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's like, there's like a suicidal almost part of our mind in something that is just working so hard to keep us alive. Yeah, so. There's a paradox. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's the death drive. Right. Yes. And then there's the life drive, the whole Freudian thing. But I think with eating disorders, I mean, it's a little more complicated than that. Oh, right? it, it, it a is. A lot it more is. complicated I, than that. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I'm a simple kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, that's not true. Because I think uh, one of the things about I, with I really eating disorders is people don't think they ever will die. Right. Right. It's, it's, uh, neither do addicts. Yeah, exactly. Right. I so. can drink as much as I want. Yeah. I can take as many drugs. I can get as high as I want. I know. I'm not going to die. Exactly. Right. So. Where's my car? I'm going to drive home. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, being, being, so allowing yourself to indulge a little bit, right. To just, to just embrace the fullness of life. Totally. Right. Totally. It's really important. We, we have so many restrictions on ourselves. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, you know, as I said, I, I've just been teaching this, this program and, in, in you know, death and dying and, and being with the dying meant being with our own dying. Mm. Recognizing none of us want to accept that every last one of us is going to die. No one gets out of life alive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? We don't. Nobody gets out of life. No one's got a secret here. But to 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 embrace that part, you know, and and cut some slack because if we can't accept that one piece, we never can step fully into being alive. Right. Because that's not different. That's part of life too. Right. That is living. Right. But it's living or dying. Right. And the, the body is the vehicle that allows us to experience what it is we wish to experience. That's why we're here. Yeah. That's why we're here. We're, you know, yeah. I mean, my belief system, I believe your belief system is we're spirits in a human body. Right. And there's a reason we took on a human body. And that is, is for us to discover through the limitations of being a human. Right. Yeah, we just learn so much. Right. Right. For sure. So, yeah. Yeah. What about, uh, oh, here's a good one, too, about being suspicious of all those body types that we see represented in the media. What do you mean by that? Well, they're photoshopped, right? <laughs> like, yeah, come on, I'm right? I'm suspicious of people who say things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, absolutely. The photoshopping is like, um, it, um, there's a, a singer, uh, Megan Trainer, mm-hmm. and when they put out her first first major photo shoot and cover, she's the one who, it's all about the bass. That okay. was her first big hit. Uh, and Dear Future Husband, and I really quite like her. She demanded that all that photoshopping be returned back to her normal body size. 
Oh, wow. That's and she cool. had everything re, uh, reissued. And I, I was really thought, wow, this is a really interesting moment to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's very talented. That's very cool. Yeah. Right? I think, yeah, I think it's just really important to recognize that. And to also recognize that even if they're, you know, if you're, the people that we see uh, in the movies and whatever, they, they work really hard when they're filming and they work very, very hard working people but at the same time part of their work is to stay fit so mm-hmm. if i could hire mm-hmm. a trainer and work out for three hours a day with a trainer you know seven days a week or whatever <laughs> i'd look good too right absolutely you look good come on you know what i mean like it's like you know then then you know maybe but you maybe don't believe you're gonna stellar. shop over that you comment you get a compliment and you just kept on going oh we have so much work here to do oh my god so much work can here you to not do. even take a compliment mm. so mm-hmm. we have to remember mm-hmm. i'm no because i want to eat easter cream eggs this week <laughs> yeah so okay. um yeah, so we just have to also remember that bodies are represented on bell curve, right? Yep. Which means basically we're going to have a certain certain body type that is right in the middle and a certain body type that is at one extreme and the other extreme, right? Absolutely. And just yeah. And and you know, it's like a puppies, there's just, you know, they're all they're all dogs, but there's so many of them and, and they're, they're all just as lovable. They're all cute. They're all cute, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right, there's a so lot you know of what? versions of the human body out there. There are. And there's a lot of versions of running out of time. Okay. Quantum. <laughs> exactly. You went to that class too, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so glad I took it. Uh, so that concludes our show uh, for this evening. It's certainly an ongoing discussion, and I hope uh, it's something that you will continue to think about and share with your friends and talk about your friends and put up boundaries about those people who aren't friends uh, mm-hmm. that doesn't allow you to experience that. And if you want to be in touch with us, uh, we'd love to know uh, any feedback you have about uh, body shaming and our show. Uh, Jan and myself can be reached through info at spiritgrows.ca or at Transformational Arts College. We're both here, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, We will be back next week. We will. We have something really interesting, I think, coming up. Yeah. We're going to talk about the new category of spiritual but not religious. (laughs) And that's all about perception. Can't wait. All right. Okay. Have a great week. And we will see you back here. Bye-bye. In seven days. Bye. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, Think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.